0: Welcome to the Most True You podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Irene. Years ago, I had a vision that I was sitting in the garden of my soul, but nothing could really take root there because just under the surface, there was this large concrete block. And it wasn't something that could be dug out or worked around. It spanned really as far as my perception could stretch. So as this vision came to me, I was actually talking to a spiritual director and I was just in tears because I said, you know, there's so much more to who I am. I, there's so much more to what my soul knows is out there. I know there's more than what I'm experiencing, but I can't access it because I have this freaking giant piece of concrete and I just have to sit with it here. And she asked me why I felt like that was what I needed to do, that I just needed to sit with it. And I said, it's not something that I can remove. It's not even something that can be removed on its own. Like, I feel like I'm sitting here with an ice pick trying to get rid of this concrete block, and all I'm doing is frustrating myself. I'm supposed to sit with it and know that this is way bigger than me, and I need to be able to recognize that this is a God-sized block that only he can remove. So this was actually back in 2013, and I woke up recently with the realization that um, actually that block was a god-sized obstacle. Um, only this time, I would use a little g in that. So the concrete block was the foundation of my faith. In evangelical circles, people talk a lot about deconstructing their faith, about taking it apart, examining all the things that we've been taught the ideas that we've believed, the dogmas we've held on to, and the doctrines that we've espoused. And many of these just don't hold substance in the light of examination. So some people are able to continue down that path and reconstruct their faith. They keep the core tenets of their faith while they openly deny or challenge the things that can't stand on their own. And honestly, I thought that that's the path I was going to be on. Um but for others, they kind of look back on their path and see that at some point it veered away from reconstruction. And I have this vision of a fork in the road with a mirage on, you know, each kind of new point in the path that the traveler sees right before deciding which direction to go. So one of them, uh, one mirage is kind of this like overexposed image of friendship and belonging, community, community. The security we have in knowing certain things and eternal happiness. But then the the other mirage is one that looks like a really dark tunnel. It's surrounded with, you know, like it's almost like walking through bushes, but these are super thorny bushes. And so the tunnel's been kind of carved out between them. And if you dare to go near this bush, you can kind of hear the echoes of. Um, eternal torture and pain. So this is kind of a terrifying path to embark on. But for those of us who do, uh, we know that each of these mirages are insubstantial. When they are examined or when somebody walks through them, and especially going through this darker side, um, your entire belief system dissolves and it can be so painful and so lonely and Really, at times, terrifying. This path uh, for a lot of us, it does lead us through a time of mourning the loss that, you know, all these things that we once thought were true, that we once thought were stable and solid, um, we come to a point to realize that they're actually serving a much darker purpose and are hollow and without merit. Uh, but beyond that initial darkness, Holy shit, is that amazing out here? <laughs> uh like I just feel like, okay, now there's true light. Like this, this is not the light of a mirage. This is true light and um actual happiness. Like I remember being in the church and people being like, You shouldn't try to be happy. You want to be joyful because happiness isn't good enough. And I'm now we're just sitting here like, Holy fork, I'm just happy. Like I can just sit on my couch and just be happy and I don't have to feel bad about it. Like I don't have to feel like I need to add something to that. I can just sit here and enjoy my life. Um, there's like this sense of abundance that I've never had before. Not just in the sense of like, oh, I can go whatever, spend all this money. Um, It's just such a broader idea of abundance than I had ever heard of in the church so I'm not dissing the path to reconstruction, so I want to be really clear about that. I get it. Like we all have different paths, and for some people, reconstruction is their path. Like this is not an us versus them or trying to separate myself from others. Um, I think we are all still really deeply connected, and this idea that our thoughts or beliefs or our spirituality makes us by default different from others is bullshit, and it's a huge part of what all of us left in that deconstruction process. So I know there is friendship, there is belonging, there is community on that reconstruction path. Um, But even that I know looks really different from what it did prior to embarking on that journey. So for my own sake or the sake of my own processing, I've kind of seen a distinction between what I thought was going to happen on my path, especially thinking I would end up reconstructing my faith, uh, but what's actually come to fruition on the path toward wherever I am now. Um, And I think for me, recognizing this, you know, God-sized obstacle, the recognition has been coming to me gradually. But when I woke up this morning, it was just one of those, okay, first of all, it's Saturday morning and I'm supposed to be sleeping in, thank you very much, moments. But it was just so clear. I realized My faith has deconstructed. I am pretty sure that that's clear to all of us now. My faith is deconstructed. Um, But rather than going on that path toward reconstruction, that process led me to the removal of that concrete block because it was the foundation that had been holding all the other pieces up. And rather than rebuild on that same foundation, I've left it behind entirely. And I've come to a new place that is like, this gorgeous, incredible, fertile garden that's just free of the things that had previously blocked me from growing. And even as I say that, it's like, I just want to take a few deep breaths and recognize how significant that is, that I am safe to exist without a concrete block spanning the length and the width of my soul's garden. So I don't know if I've moved to a new garden or if this is the same one from the vision I had seven and a half years ago, but either way, this is the garden of my soul. It's the place where I get to grow. And when I look around, I don't see boundaries anymore. I don't see walls. I don't see an end point. It's just growth and possibility and existence as far as I can see and well beyond that. For me, by not reconstructing my faith, I've actually been able to grow the roots of my spirituality that even, you know, seven years ago, I knew I wanted, but I didn't know what that was going to be. At that time, I wanted those roots to be, you know, within the safe walls of my faith, but that just wasn't possible. I had to leave that and make room for what was um, really now... Speaking and bringing all of the elements of my faith that I had held dear, but without the limits that came with evangelicalism and even Christianity. So um, those things just aren't designed to allow growth outside of their boundaries. And I've never really fit in with them. I tried really hard to do so, but I just wasn't made to live in those walls So when I filed for divorce in 2017, and this kind of goes back to, like, I didn't intend to leave the church. Um, It happened. I'm fine with it. But um, I think that this is something that a lot of people can relate to, and I honestly wish that I knew or had heard this story back then. But um, when I filed for divorce, so that was 2017, I just wanted the freedom from an abusive marriage. And I wanted to find that in the safety of the church that I so loved. I wanted to heal. I wanted to grow. I wanted to rest and learn within the community that I had spent my adult life building and nurturing. So I, And of course, I wanted acceptance. I wanted people to be willing to hear my story. And I wanted a soft place to land. But what I found instead was basically a functional excommunication from that community. I, um, at that time I was asked not to share my story. I, you know, the elders of the church and the leaders of the denomination, you know, essentially became the holders of my story. And at the time, um, you know, they said, and I thought that this was for the good of the congregation. Um, and in that I was also, this was never spoken, but I wasn't really allowed to go back through those doors, through the church doors. So, you know, looking back now, I don't think, you know, nobody said, I, Kelly, you can't come back to church. But it was really clear that if I wanted to go back to church, I needed to agree to keep up, you know, a false appearance and a silent narrative. Um, that is just something I think our systems, like church and other systems in our country, They thrive on silence, on being able to continue the silence um, and control the narratives of abusers and those who've been abused. So um, anyway, there were times – like I would walk down the – we lived in a town of 7,000 people. Like we knew nearly everybody in the town, if not by name, at least by face. So there'd be times that I'd walk down a grocery store aisle and someone who had once you know, welcomed me into their home would see me and then turn and walk the opposite direction because that was just way easier for them than actually um, having any kind of interaction with me. I'd walk into the local Starbucks and like on multiple occasions, conversations would literally stop. And when people couldn't get away from saying hello to me. A lot of times it was like really cold and forced. And that was just crushing for me because I thought that when I spoke out about the fact that the pastor of the largest church in town was abusive, um, that I was abused in our marriage, that I wouldn't be the one being shunned. Like that is not at all what I expected. And yet this is the story for so many people who um, step away from abuse in their lives. So um, the reality is like the church just it's not a place for these kinds of stories to be held with open hands. It's not a soft landing. Um, That's the mirage of community that the church holds up. So I never intended to walk away. I never intended to deconstruct, but I think now looking back, it was kind of inevitable. And now I'm kind of looking around and realizing like, holy shit, of course they had to go through that. Of course they had to leave because there isn't room for the depths of these kinds of roots in a garden that has a concrete block under the surface of it. These kinds of things just can't grow or exist in a space that requires separation and that requires the distinction of who's in and who's out. That's just not what that place is for. That God says block um, is gone and has made a way for an entire universe of existence and knowledge and being. And that's why I love the language of universe and source and spirit. I don't disbelieve in divinity. um, But the evangelical God, I certainly can't get behind. Um, That's not, I just can't. But these words, these ways of understanding something that is so much bigger, so much more loving, so much more um, in line with the cloak that evangelicalism tries to place over its harm and damage that it does to people um I feel like they've like there's kind of this taking of something that is really true and beautiful and laying it over something that's really not true and beautiful and um trying to say that it's something that it's not and I'm realizing now I might be talking around in circles but I'm going to try to move on and not try to dig myself out of that hole cuz it's already been said, um, but this beautiful cloak, right? The universe, source, spirit—these are words that I love because in these words are held the expanse of love and peace and acceptance and unity and abundance, and a faith that's built not on the exclusion and threat of torture, but on like actual good things. So I kind of have this image and it comes from um the Moon Child Tarot deck by Danielle Noel. The fool card has this image of a woman who is approaching a ledge and just beyond the ledge is the cosmos and she's already in motion like she's heading for it. But this isn't a cliff. This isn't like some whole we'll quote the slippery slope deal here. It's not something to be feared. It's just oh Right now, there is under me a certain type of foundation, and as I take these next few steps, that foundation is going to shift, and it's going to—you know—I'm going to be in the cosmos where I already am. Uh, but it—I it, love this image because all of those limits and boundaries that once felt so scary, um, you know, that thornbush image is one that's not an accident, right? Like who wants to go through a thorn bush where you're hearing echoes of eternal, eternal torture and damnation? Not, you know, I certainly don't think that that's a fun idea. But now it's like there's this whole other way of being that um, does not include separation and destruction. It does not include forcing some out while others are in. It does not include... um. I mean, this happens all the time, right, within the church. The pastor or a leader within the church abuses someone, and that person or that person's family, they're the ones who have to leave because the church isn't a space for that level of vulnerability because the church can't function without maintaining the power that allows the pastor or the leader to stay while the abused has to leave. Um, that's just not what it's set up for. And that has been maintained for centuries through fear. So, um, yeah, I guess going back just to wrap this back up, realizing and owning the fact that I haven't reconstructed my faith. I think that's the big thing for me here is for so long I wanted to reconstruct my faith because I wanted that community to welcome me back and, you know, provide that like safe space that I always thought it was going to provide, but it couldn't. And now I'm kind of looking back at that and just saying, okay, I get it. Like that's not your role. And I'm not coming at this from a place of anger or bitterness. Like, yeah, there's pain, yeah, it sucked. It certainly hurt a lot, but, um, my journey has led me to somewhere that is so incredible. And so, I mean, whatever I could come up with all those words, like it's nice, it's fun, it's exciting. It's amazing. It's bigger and brighter and bolder and more exciting and more full of ease than I ever could have imagined. Um, And that's the journey that I'm on of not reconstructing my faith, but actually allowing myself to live in a garden where, we'll say a garden of spirituality, right? Like it's, I get to live and own my story. I get to be led by my intuition. I get to be deeply connected to the source of life and love and, um, not feel like there's something wrong with me or missing from me or shameful about me, but actually get to live beautifully and authentically as myself. That is the journey for me of not reconstructing my faith. To find out more, you can check out other episodes. Find me on Instagram at ikellyirene. Or check out the website and sign up for our newsletter at MostTrueYouPodcast.com.